Hi, Jack. Welcome to a Runner's Life podcast. How are you getting on, mate? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, it's great to have you on the show. We obviously know each other from before. Um, so, yeah, it's good to, you know, catch up and actually have a proper chinwag about some of the stuff about running and all the things around it, really. Yeah, it's been a while. I remember when we, we must have met in 2017 when the UK front runner team started, right? You were one of the first first front runners as well. Yeah, we were, we were the first, I think, first in the UK team. So, yeah, it was a, a lot of fun and, uh, yeah, made some met some great people. And, uh, yeah, so it's been... Yeah, a lot of things have changed since then as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we, we've left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the team's gone downhill. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I sort of contradict myself there. It's like saying, "Yeah, it's been go go so great." And then it's like, "No, we've left." Yeah, <laughs> no, those guys are great. Still a lot of respect for for them, and um, they look like they're getting on well. And just yeah. was was my like yours, my time to leave. I think after two two and a half years of being supported by them. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be supported by brand. You opens your eyes up to different opportunities and different things. And for me, the main thing was just about the people. I think, and that's uh, meeting people like yourself and. Uh, know some other incredible athletes and other incredible people made it a lot of fun really yeah for sure I still talk to um quite a few of them the team on a weekly weekly basis like Danny and Josh obviously were the the second wave but I still chat to them all the time we've obviously um got a bit of a group chat that the odd thing people new events and things go on and um Eddie has chat to a lot we've now got the same coach and I'm sure the people Dougie as well. So, yeah. um, still, yeah, still follow everyone. Chat to a fair, fair few of the guys. Yeah, let's not talk about the WhatsApp group. Uh, we'll keep that on the DL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first, let's deal with the elephant in the room. Those that know you, um, you know you're a triathlete. So, whilst this is a running show, um, can you sort of take us back to your first run? Yeah, well, so. I suppose for me, it probably started in when I was in college. I'm obviously still still a bit of a baby, but um, back back when I was in college, my younger cousin actually had um, brain cancer when she was sort of six or seven. So I wanted to do something to make a change and um, see if I could in some small way help. You know, you feel very helpless when you get that kind of news and there's not a lot I could do to support them. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a triathlon. Um, so I just did a two sprint distance triathlons in the summer. I was always sporty through school, um, so it was reasonably fit. Dad had an old road bike that I used. Um, and yes, I remember just going out the front door and thinking like, well, where do I go? Like, where do I go? I, I know I have to obviously put one foot in front of the other. I've run through school and stuff, but never actually just like been out for a run. So I just like ran around the block and was like, yeah, this probably isn't for me, but stick with it. And uh did a tri- did those two triathlons that summer it must have been like 2011 um and I was like I'm never doing a triathlon ever again like raised maybe 500 pound for charity or something was like this is it I hate triathlon it's not for me um so <laughs> hung my running shoes up and that was me <laughs> me done for four four or five years but yeah as I remember there's no feeling like it that like I didn't it wasn't easy and I was a bit like oh, I'm not sure this is for me but when you're actually just out running, like it was, it was amazing. <laughs> so the funny thing is that when you talk about running and being uncomfortable, it's like that for so many people. And I think people assume that like, once you get to a certain speed or whatever, like it suddenly becomes easier. I don't think it does. You think you just get more used to being in that place of discomfort that you can 
better cope with it. Yeah, there's that saying, isn't there, that like it doesn't get easier, you just go faster. And I think yeah. that's so true. And that's what I love about triathlon, like and running and cycling and all these events that are the same. Like we could go to a race and whatever scale the race is, we 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 all go through it and we all feel the same emotions, we see the same stuff, we do the same course and you know, I might like I, let's say it's a 5k I might run 20 minutes and someone else might run 25 but like I'd like think of, I'd run a bit quicker but um, the, the, what, no matter what you run you all go through the same stuff if you're running hard you feel the same I, I don't want to carry on I don't want to quit you feel the same discomfort it's the same in training yeah you all see and feel exactly the same so um, I think that's quite interesting when people talk about the first thing whenever I have a conversation with one of my friends that's just started running or triathlon or I meet someone new without fail the first line that will come out of their mouth is it's not to your level but I went for a run today or it's not to your level but and it's like it doesn't matter what level it is like you're feeling the same stuff you we're still enjoying it the same Um, it's no more impressive me doing an Ironman in nine hours and someone doing it in 17 like those guys are turning themselves inside out just as much. I find they might not have put the same hours in training because they'll have other stuff going on in their life. Um, but it doesn't, yeah, it's not to belittle it in any way. So, yeah, It's an interesting thing. Though. There's a lot of sideways looking in terms of like putting yourself down. And I remember um, years back, I remember joining a running club and people are, we were doing easy runs. And I remember joining a particular group and they'd be like, oh, no, you're too quick for this group. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to run easy. It's like, don't try and put me off by to being there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's interesting, isn't it? How you have both ends of the spectrum. You have the elitist attitude of like, we're going out, we're running hard. If you're not fast enough, go home or go yeah. keep running until you are fast enough. And then the other lot, it's like, no, no, we're social runners. You're too fast. It's like, well, can I not run socially too? Like, am I banned from that? Because I can run at whatever time, you know, like it's, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's quite funny how it does that. But that's a small minority of people. You know, most people, no matter what level you are, want to get involved, want to encourage you, want to support you. And I think that's great. Absolutely. And there's so many benefits to running, you know, mental, physical. And I think if you just focus on what it gives you, then, you know, that's the most important thing rather than sort of looking at what the next person's doing. Because if you do that, you're never going to be kind of happy where you are. Yeah, there's always someone faster than you. There's always someone on a better day. There's always someone that's done an extra mile in training and you can only when you're on that start line you can only control your day and your race and I think that's what a lot of people get sucked into I remember when we started with the front runners um there were a few ultra like ultra running people like look at Holly Holly was she'd spent 20 30 40 years I'm joking Holly she spent a lot of years running marathons and then changed to ultras and um she's obviously only just turned 21 so that's impressive for all that time and then um <laughs> around, mate. Yeah. she'd sp- she spent yeah. all them years running marathons and then gone to great success at ultras so everyone yeah. wanted to be like holly and the top guys when when we when we started there were some really sharp runners and anyone running already under three hours wasn't interested because they had their own goals but if you were running around a 330 to four hour marathon mark you're like oh well, maybe i could be like holly and do an ultra and obviously there were more people than holly but she's a great yeah. role model and everyone jumped into ultras that first season and I remember sat in Bath at the end of the year in that meeting and they're trying to tell everyone to stop running so much because everyone's falling apart and you're like you know like you just got to race yourself and set your own goals and stop worrying about what everyone else is doing and I think that's the beauty of it because when you can when you can do that and genuinely just race yourself and just be in it for your own 
to be a better version of your own self, that's when you really find the joy and happiness in the sport. Yeah, I remember that time at Bath because I remember we all sat around and we all went around and for some reason, I don't know why I told everyone my, my marathon goals at the time. I was like, I want to break 3.15 at the time. And I don't think I was anywhere close to it. I think I was like 3.40. Yeah. Um, but it kind of reminds me a bit of like when I look at your website, to when it's, you actually like really sort of public with your goals and things like that. So I think we've got that kind of thing in sort of... Yeah, and that's something that... I've always done that like you know I'll more than happily tell you in later on like what my goals are moving forward that doesn't mean some people laugh at them and they're like you're not going to do that and some people are like yeah you're going to pin that to the wall and um, I've always been open and this is what I'm aiming for this is where I want to be and I think by being by saying that you know it's quite cringy I've got a bit of paper and I can it's on my kitchen table in the other room and it says what it says what an eight hour 30 Ironman looks like for me and you know I've had that goal there for the last 12 months haven't done it haven't even been close yet for various reasons but I look at that every day and if I can say that out loud that this is my goal this is where I want to be if I can say it to myself then I can say it to other people because they have no bearing on it you know they can support me they can say I'm not going to do it whatever I don't care I'm still going to give it a go and yeah I think people I, I find it quite frustrating when people are shy with their goals or fine if it's your job and you don't want to tell your competitors what you're going for because you're earning money from beating them. That's a different story. But at our level, like no one really cares what time you're running. You know, I put Instagram posts about it recently, like newsflash, no one cares how fast you are, what goals you're going for, whatever. You can tell us. Um, all people care about is you getting healthier, bringing the best out of yourself, getting faster and finding happiness. So, Why do you think people are like that? Well, not I don't assume like all people, um, but some people are that in terms of like they, they don't really want to share their goals. They see it, see it as a well, negative so thing. I had an interesting chat with you about this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I think people are quite scared of admitting the goal to themselves. So like people that race a lot really frustrate me. You know, I train, I train most days of the year and uh, take two weeks off each year. And um, the rest of the time I'm pretty focused on the goals and, I say, like, I need to get it right two days out of 365. And obviously this year it's 366, but um, you only need to get it right on those two occasions. And everything else for me is building up to that. And that's fine if you're running shorter distances. That is slightly different. You can have a few cracks. And obviously in an Ironman, it's, you can only really have two cracks a year, three at a push if you're not um, if you're not professional. And even then, four, four is a stretch. But I think people are scared of, like, putting themselves on the line and that's something I admire you for you know you've said very openly I want to run a three-hour marathon and you like me like I had the worst season I've ever had in 2019 like yes my results were the best I've ever had but compared to my potential and what I'm capable of I was just so far off the mark and like that's really difficult to deal with the day after a race when you spent four months every day three times a day that race has gone through my head and I've missed it and like people are quite I think people are quite scared of putting themselves out like that and the reality is that's how you grow that's how you make the goals and um but yeah I think people are quite um twitchy about going for big goals and falling short um because it's quite yeah. difficult to take and you found that you know you've missed it three times I missed it three times last year and um you do doubt yourself and it does it is tough to tough to swallow but um yeah that's that's how you grow I don't know I mean I think the reason probably why I did it it's probably subconsciously is because it was a challenge the fear of like valuing other people's opinions or worrying about what they thought. Like for example, when I did the Manchester Marathon and I got sick at the end, 
like the perceived fear of it, like what was going to happen and actually happening wasn't actually that bad. Yeah, of course. Probably being sick, you're just like, whatever. And then even you run 305 and whatever the times I ran afterwards, you're just like, okay, well, I've run that time. Then ultimately you're just like, who is actually important? My coach, my family, my kids, everyone else can sort of jog on. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Towards the end, you just don't really care about it. This is something I find really interesting with the whole social media bubble. Like, I'll be blunt, I don't follow people because they're fast at running. Like, I follow the pros for that. And, like, I don't, a lot of the influencers and stuff, like, I do follow them. And, um, like, I'm invested in their stories, but they could, I don't care what times they're running. I don't care, like, what they're doing in the sport because to, to me, it's not impressive. Like, I don't, um, like, if they're not running quicker than me, then I'm not following them for running. But that doesn't mean I'm not following them because they don't have a great story. And that's what people pigeonhole themselves with. Like, I'm not Jackie Sko triathlon on Instagram because that's not my personality. You know, I don't understand why people, they get, they get really trapped by like um, that side of their personality and they'll only yeah. like post about certain stuff and they feel like that's what their followers want. And the reality is your followers don't follow you because of your sporting achievements. They follow you because you're a nice person or they can engage with you or you've got an inspiring story or like, you just really like, you just, they, they just connect with some form of you. Um, and it's something when I do a bit of social media consultancy alongside like the photography for brands and things, you say, like, what is it that people are connecting you f- to you for? Because it's not always what you think they're connecting to you, you know, what they're connecting over, you know? Um, so yeah, I think like people worry too much about times and they think that people are f- so invested in that when, the reality is that you've got so much more to, not you specifically, obviously you do, but everyone's got so much more to their personality than just this pigeonhole of sport that we often see it through and social media can kind of funnel you down. Yeah. Although we are watching other people, like in the reality, no one really cares like what you're doing to an yeah, exactly. you had a bad run. No one's like, oh, Marcus had a rubbish run. Jack had a rubbish run. <laughs> and and that is part and like you have to post about that because i'm yeah. really a big advocate of posting like the good days and the bad days but you know i'll post photos of where i walked this morning or where i got to on my bike or like some a photo shoot i did with some people or a beer with my mates and like there's so many if you asked all my friends like what are the good traits of my personality i bet not a single one mentions triathlon you know and yeah. they don't follow me because i can ride a bike fairly quick and run a bit i can't swim but um like they follow me because we get along and yeah i think people um worry too much sometimes about the sporting side of them and don't share enough of like their genuine character yeah absolutely i think i want to get into that a bit later because there's a couple gems i want to jump into but um firstly um talking about running can you tell, tell us about your current marathon pr yeah that's a tricky one, isn't it? So <laughs> the number is 239. So I've run a 239. I ran it in Florence where it was 300 metres, 400 metres short because of the gas leak. So I was like the second runner that ran the short course. So my actual PB is probably 242.30. I ran 242.29 in Manchester a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, I will, I Actually, in Florence, it was, um, it was in like November. November the 24th last year so it was two days before my birthday so we went for like um holiday really me and my girlfriend were two um one of my friends lives out there in Maranello and um, Modena and works for Ferrari in Maranello so we stayed with them and had loads of good food and ice cream so I was about 88 89 kilograms when I ran the race and I'd barely been training so 
239 isn't really um I wanted to do 233 in London this year and then obviously that got cancelled and then obviously ran was running great in Florence and then got cut short so um haven't really got I've not really properly given a marathon a good crack for a couple of years so um, hopefully next year at London I can get back on the back on the start line and give it a go yeah because you're so focused obviously on the three disciplines and I guess it's like but it's still yeah it's just willy waving for us you know um it's like what like I ran Cambridge half again I have a knack of picking short courses that was 200 meters short I ran like a 111 yeah uh, 38 I think so it would have been a 112 30 on an actual course and ever, so people are like, oh, what did you run? What did you run? And you're like, who cares? Like, you know, just swinging your dick about, like, this is my PB. So for me, yeah, it's, I've got to run fast off the bike on two days a year. And that's a very different kind of run to the standard marathon or half marathon. It's much more strength-based. You know, it's like who can slow down the least. And it's very yeah. nutrition-based. You know, if you get your nutrition slightly wrong, you'll know about it. And um, so, yeah, I find, I find running PBs quite funny because – uh, like we've just said, no one really cares, but everyone wants to tell you it. <laughs> yeah, and everyone yeah. wants one. I don't get me wrong. I really want a fast marathon. I want to go to sub two thirty in the next year or two on a marathon, sub seventy on the half. And like, there's nothing I want more than to do those things, just so I can say I've done it. But like, in reality, I'm not quite sure why I want it. But <laughs> I think, yeah, cause I think we would be able to just say when we look back and think what was the best I gave. Yeah, of course. To, to say that sort of time, but it is frustrating that the courses. But that's not your fault. I mean, like once obviously once london opening happens and whatever happens next i mean you know that's going to be guaranteed at the right distance so it's yeah. just uh it's not good for races as well when they get the courses wrong so um... yeah and both like i went to florence for a good hit out birthday present and a nice holiday and i got all of those things so came away a happy man you know it was the fact that danny o'reilly loves it it was short and uh, <laughs> you'll see him commenting on all my posts uh asking if the race was short this time but um yeah, I don't mind. I went for a good good hit out and I got that. And um, yeah, it was a really, really nice trip. Would recommend you did, anyone that's going. Yeah, you need banter though from guys like that just to keep you honest, really. Oh, I love it. I could, yeah, I couldn't go without it. Absolutely. He, he can and only it, do it because he'll never beat me in a race though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I'm sure he's going to say something else. Your your DMs are going to be going mad. Yeah. I've got a beer. By the end of this, I'll be drunk and saying naughty things. No, joking. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what are your biggest takeaways? Have you watched the uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's amazing. Yeah, me and my girlfriend watched it um, like on that Netflix party thing. It was great. And it was, yeah, it was really, I found it amazing how he can just switch it on and off and really like uh, making up stories to just keep himself motivated. And, and everyone just knew he was there and he... He had the confidence. He knew what he needed to do. He just was so single-minded and he didn't let anything affect him, you know? And like, even when they were on about his gambling and whatever, and like he doesn't have a gambling addiction. He's just super competitive. And it was really cool to see how he just didn't let it bother him. And even now, looking back, he was like, like he, he should get shown the clips of what different people think of him. And he's like, I don't care about that. Like, I never had a problem with that guy. Like, I was better than him. And then, yeah. yeah, I really liked that he was just so, so confident and so open and um, just took everything in his stride and was so yeah. like loyal to the people around him and knew that like, if you're going to give me a hundred percent, I'll give you a hundred and two, you know, like, and that is that if you're going to give me any less than hundred percent, I don't want to know. And I really like connected with that. So I come from rowing originally, that was my main sport and 
Um, we had a crew, we weren't the most talented, but we had a crew of eight guys. It's probably 10, really. Two didn't make ever make cut, but you like, and we knew when we were in the boat together, like I was getting 100% of all other seven guys and the Cox. Like yeah. they were all so committed and they knew that if they were giving me 100%, they were getting 100% back and there was never, there was never any other way. And I think that's what um, I really liked about Michael Jordan was like, he's the dream teammate. You know, if you give him everything you've got, he'll give you everything he's got. The difference is everything he's got is better than anything anyone's got. So, um, but yeah, no, it's really, really inspiring documentary and amazingly put together. Yeah. I think that I would have liked to see, been very critical here, like 1% critical. <laughs> it's, uh, I just would like to see him like, like, like dive a bit more into the reasons why he was so motivated, where that came from. I know he talked about his dad and yeah. a little bit about his brothers and being competitive for you know, your dad's attention, but like that, I mean, that sort of will to win that drive is insane. Like even when they were doing stuff like for the Olympics and, you know, they were playing the dream team and, you know, I think Magic Johnson said something and then he switched yeah. and it's just like, how does he, I mean, where does that come from? And I he mean, wouldn't even let the, anyone stop until he yeah. was ready to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. And yeah, but he didn't really delve at all into his family life or anything behind the scenes. Um, obviously there was a the stuff of his dad, but none of his real personal life. It was very much, around the game and their achievements and even that year off you know 18 months swinging a baseball bat was summarized yeah. in 45 minutes of of episodes so um yeah, yeah never really delved into what happened in that 18 months you know how we really found release and the drive to come back and be the best again i think it'd just be interesting if we sort of brought that back just to sort of show us a little bit more in depth into the reason why maybe speak to us like a sports psychologist on television just to sort of give us an indication of that because even like I think even once he retired I think one of the his old teammates called him out and he went back to tra training to school this guy and yeah. he retired yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I let go Michael he retired <laughs> I mean next he'll be fighting uh, Carol Baskin yeah <laughs> true. True. <laughs> true yeah just don't call Michael out on Twitter Instagram yeah. all that kind of stuff. he will show up I reckon I could beat him in an Ironman <laughs> He's gonna start trading. Someone tweet him, him and tell him. <laughs> you see him at Kona. was back there, mate. So Only my mum's listening to this anyway, and she doesn't have Twitter, so <laughs> you never know. She could sort of go. You know what my son said. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be. But imagine that would be like an awesome training partner, anyways. Oh, that'd be cool. That. Yeah, phenomenal. Anyhow, I mean, we were talking offline about um, how you were sort of finding training during lockdown. And I've got to you gave me one of the best answers I've heard about it, um, just in regards to sort of looking into the long term, um, whereas a lot of people are kind of worrying about certain things, rightly so to a certain extent, but, you know, not really taking the long term approach. Uh, but how easy is it for you to do that, sort of look at the long term goal? Because I was looking at one of your blog posts and you were sort of talking about, um, just with Kona being cancelled for this year and just the impact that it had on you? Yeah, I mean, like, so the way I work is I set three-year targets and 2020 was the third year um, of my triathlon cycle, really. I started with Joel Jameson, my coach, after that night out in Bath we had with ASICs. And um, we said, like, okay, we want to take out the age group at Kona in 2020 and that was always the goal I wanted to um I actually wanted to go in 2019 to have a race and see um see how I could hold up I've raced there before I've qu I qualified in 
2017, I had the worst race of my life and then qualified again in 2018, but didn't take it because I didn't think I was ready. Um, and then last year, 2019 happened and I just couldn't, um, just couldn't string a race together. So yeah, so then that was quite difficult. Um, obviously, we've pinned everything on this season and I came into the season pretty electric. So I, I, we start if we start back in 2018, so we're 18 months into the three-year cycle, um, I have a chance to qualify for Kona in Bar- Ironman Barcelona. Um, something was wrong with my front wheel coming out of transition and I was, could hear it and I was like, ah, oh, this isn't going to be good. It's going to be a long day. And then halfway around the bike, I was like, it's going flat. Like, this wheel is not right. So I stopped and got it pumped up by one of the mechanics and they were like, it's fine. And then rode off and I was like, it's not fine. Like something's wrong with my bike. And obviously I'm still going pretty well, like riding through the field and t- pick, picking off places. Like cycling is my strongest discipline. And at about kilometer 80, it just blew. Like the front end just exploded. I was doing about 50K an hour and it just all went floppy. And I was like, ah, oh, race over. So like, without even thinking, next thing I'm like running with my bike, um, just like towards the finish line. I was like, well, I'm 10 kilometers from transition. The worst yeah. thing that can happen is I run, walk for 10 kilometers, get a new um, wheel or get it all fixed up and I'll just roll around slowly and try and run a good marathon. So then as if by magic, like 500 meters down the road, there's just a mechanic with like a spare tire. Spare, I'd blown a hole in my... Um, tire wall so it's not like something you can just fix you have to it's like you have to get a new tire 500 meters down the road there's a new mechanic so I was like well I've only lost like 12 minutes at this point all in so like I've still got a shot at like getting this Kona spot that I want and um so then I got the new tire on and off we go and about it started raining and then about 50k later i just lost this front wheel because the tire was so old and slick and just slid into a concrete barrier just higher than 40k an hour and i've still got the bruises at the moment like now and a dodgy elbow from it and like i was a bit of a mess and then went went back to um rolled into transition and ran the best marathon i've ever run and lost by about seven minutes in the age group and had lost 15 by then you know ran a 304 or something off the bike and since that day, I've just had a bit between my teeth of like uh, that nothing else matters apart from putting a good Ironman performance together. And 2019, just everything went wrong in all three Ironmans and just never managed to do that. So took a bit of time off after my last race of 2019 and was like, if I want to go to Kona, uh, I actually got a Kona spot um, in the last race because I went to America and the, um, the standard of the race just wasn't as high as it is in Europe so although I um had a bit of a shocker because uh, I was super ill um I managed to pick up a Kona spot which is quite quite rare and um that, like I took some time off because I was really beat up from the season and you know we're coming to the last year of the cycle and um I've made three I, I've got a photography business that um you know is 226 and doing and as well as like that's a sports side working on all these business goals alongside and so I took a bit of time out from everything and just sort of sat myself down and was like, okay, what is important? And Kona was still at the top of the, you know, I've got a Kona spot. I've got to go in 2020 and I've got to give the race of my life. Like I have to go in there um, and leave no stone unturned. So I had all went, so I took some time and then 
I just ran for six weeks. I was like, well, I'm just going to run and take a bit of time off the bike and the swim and focus on my running because that's what let me down. Um, even though in training all season, I was running amazing. Off the bike, excuse me, I was running like 120 half marathons and um, another sort of, I ran a 16 minute 5K after the biggest training block I've ever had, 16.02 if you want to be picky and uh, that wasn't short. And um, I just was running great, but couldn't couldn't string a marathon together. So I was like, right, do a bit of running and came through winter working super hard Um ran a couple of halves early doors and ran like a 1.14.30. Basically, we could first place run a 1.14.20 and just stayed behind him. Not quite sure why I did that. but um, And then went to Cambridge, ran like a 1.11. So it was like, right, this is the year. Like, I'm feeling great. And then we went out to Spain for a training camp. And while we were in Spain, they were like, cool, we're going into lockdown. You have to leave the country as fast as possible or you're in your house for 12 weeks. So... I was all a bit manic and then I was like well there's not going to be much racing this year obviously things were changing super quick and I was like okay let's say there's no racing what am I going to do and I was like well I just need to get as fit as possible this year um and then go again next year and it was so easy for that to like that to just be the transition in my head it was like that's simple if I want to win an age group at Kona I have to be fit when Kona happens and that's so black and white. And then obviously Roth got cancelled, which was my where I wanted to do my 830 Ironman. And then Kona got cancelled and we moved to February. And yeah, the piece you'll have read, I was basically saying, if no one can qualify for Kona, for me, it's not a world championship. I don't want to go to Kona and race a half field and win it. Like that's not why I race. And I want to go to Kona, have personally the best race I can ever have. Um, and that to be good enough against a, a strong field. Um, and I would much rather have the race of my life and finish a hundredth than have a bad race and finish first. Like I'm not about winning. I'm all about the personal performance. And so, yeah, so then I set new three year goals. So I was like, okay, what do the next three years of sport look like for me? And then wrote in, um, 2021 Kona, October, uh, wrote in the obviously other races next season. So pretty quickly, the next three years took shape. So therefore the next... 12 months took shape so therefore the immediate future took shape and I was like well okay then so if corona's going down like we can't race we training is limited we can't get outdoors what do I need to do um so put all the plans in place and then it was like well I'm super fit so I need to do some form of testing so I did a sort of like a half Ironman type thing I did two hours on the indoor turbo on the turbo on the bike flat out um in the time trial position because obviously you're only allowed out once a day. And then me and my dad went and I ran a half marathon. He did it on the bike and carried some um, liquid for me. And then we just deloaded and I took May off because I was like, well, if I want to be fit at the end of the year, there's none of this like, oh, I'm just going to maintain peak fitness all year and then race at the end. Like, no, you're not. Like, have a day off. Like I needed to, we needed to deload. Um, yeah. So we did that and then started to build again in the last few weeks. Like, yeah, so obviously that's a very long story to basically say it was quite easy. Like I know I'm so clear on what my goals are that moving the goals back a year wasn't a problem. And I think we get so caught up like, Oh man, I can't run London. So I can't run my two thirty three marathon and I can't get my club record. And like, oh, I can't do an eight thirty Ironman. This like people are dying. Like, you know, then that that's so much more important than, than anything. And now obviously there's been like the protests in London and things and like, Everyone's like, ah, oh, 
people like shouldn't be pro- no like this is these are such serious matters that need addressing now like these can't wait like we need to deal with these issues it's not like oh just can you sorry mate can you just wait three months while um everything settles down like no so racing just becomes so trivial doesn't it like we're privileged to i'm privileged to fly around the world doing what i do and i'm super grateful for the people that make that happen and that i have the opportunity and there are yeah. people that will never have that like there are people that would genuinely love to put a timing chip on and run a 5k or a park run and they will never in their lives get that opportunity so i think when you when you think about that perspective actually a year off from like prancing around racing a bit isn't that like it isn't that important um so yeah Yeah. so i just made new goals kept the perspective and then now we're going again I think what's important what you said there is that it's not like you've not had challenges in your life or throughout your career. It's that you've just taken a long-term view and be like, yeah, it's disappointing, but you can move on. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. Hopefully people can get from that answer that you gave. And also I just want to talk about just obviously the current situation with um, race and diversity. Of course. Um, a couple of years ago, I think when we were on the Essex team, something happened, um, which I won't go into a huge amount of detail with, and I remember this incident happened with me and I remember kicking off about it. And I remember, I just want to shout you out, I think you were probably one of the only people, white guys, that actually, I think you took to your post and I remember you posting something and said something about it. And it's so ironic, like now, when people say, talk about being an ally and that sort of stuff, like people just probably didn't know what to say at the time. So they didn't do anything. And now people are being more conscious, being aware and if, if, you know, if something's not right, say it. So, like, I've got respect for you for actually saying it way back then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, like, so, so I've always, we spoke offline about this, and I've always said, like, if I've got an issue with something and I disagree, I'll yeah. tell that person. Like, I'm more than happy, behind closed doors in public, I don't care. Like, you won't get one story out of me offline and then another story out of me online. And like, I think that authentic, authenticity is really important and something that lacks. And obviously there's someone one of the ASICs front runners I won't name names but like that I've fallen out with recently and that was because they did something that I disagreed with I told them that I disagreed with it and they like they felt that that was enough to sort of fall out and unfollow me and whatever else and like that's fine I've got no less respect for them as a person like an incredible human very talented runner and like I wish wish them all the best and I, that that doesn't mean I'm going to go back and grovel and um, say I'm sorry because like I'm not. Maybe I did approach it in the wrong way. I don't think I did, but um, and I think yeah, a lot of people. And but then that's not to say like I'm not some kind of saint like that gets everything right. Like you know, I'm a human. I make mistakes, and and everyone has like I think we just have to grow and learn from them. And yeah, I think at the moment, obviously, the race is very topical. I've been reading the books that everyone else has been reading, and I don't think. Um, there's actually so there's an incident um i was on the other side of the fence um with one of my friends from university and this was a couple of years ago and recently sort of he's one of my best friends in the whole world and i've reached out to him and said look i'm so sorry that that incident ever happened it was resolved at the time and we'd already apologized and we just revisited it and just spoke about it again and he said look you've always been there you've always stuck up for me um you've always helped me out like yourself he's black he, he came through Eton and um his whole life he's sort of had the kind of that against him and I made the mistake as well once and we brought it up we spoke about it we learn we grow and 
Um, yeah, I think that's really important. You know, we're not going to get it right all the time. We have to learn. We have to keep growing. But um, you do have to stick by what you believe in. And I'll, I'm more than like I'll call out my best friends if I think they're saying something I don't agree with. Or um, and it's the same with sponsors. Like if I'm now only with science and sport, um, and they've got some great values, the people at the top are doing a fantastic job. I genuinely believe in their products. Like if I thought that our values weren't aligned or they were making naff products like i'd walk i've got no issues with walking away from free kit or whatever um because someone's saying or doing the wrong thing and i think that's something that social media is making us really bad for like i could tell you we both know the people that will take anything that is free and you can see that on instagram and i think like picking picking things to stand up for at the moment more than ever is really important and you have to um get behind the things that you believe in and stick to your guns um i think there's just so much stuff out there really it, it, sometimes it can make things so convoluted that you have to really sort of go back to what am i doing what's the core what am yeah. i trying to work towards so yeah i mean i think we've all gonna got to find our own path really um no judgment to the people that are doing it but yeah and i completely agree you know the guys in the team at Science and Sport, you know, are doing a great job as well. So, um, yeah, it's really, right really privileged to be with that brand. And I'm really proud of the things they've been doing, both in the public eye and behind it. Like yeah. They've given plenty of, they, like, they brought out the support package for the NHS and did meal replacements for all of them. They've got right behind all their ambassadors from like minority groups. And they're really um, doing everything they can to support these causes that are so important at the moment. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great to hear. And I just want to touch on something we just spoke about before. Uh, for me, the New York City Marathon is that, that 20 seconds where I just um, went over three hours. Uh, it's something that kind of, I don't think about all the time, but it's something that drives me in my uh, training. And you spoke about 2017 in Kona. Yeah. about finishing that finishing the dark and like you said in your blog your blog about having demons about that yeah so we'll talk about how you kind of turn that around and how you sort of use it to channel you forward rather than sort of hold you back yeah you know so i'm a bit of a, a bit, i'm my own biggest critic and i'm a bit of a victim of that and um there's some of my results that some people would say if you were to go through my results now and say like okay, you pick out my best results. They'll be very different to the results that I pick out as my best results. Um, and I think like that Kona was really, really tough. I had a, I had a ruptured tendon in my knee for most of the year. Um, I, I was 20, I was 18 to 24. So age group, I'd just turned 24, I think. So I was moving up the next year. Uh, oh no, I was just about to turn 24 in November and Kona's October. And um I went to ITU Worlds and I raced it with with the tendon issue and um, it's pretty much better by then, but it was still bad. And basically nursed my way through the bike. And when I came off the bike, my pair, I was like, I'm not going to run. Like I can't, I'm in so much pain that I just can't face it. I hadn't run for most of the season and I hadn't done much for most of the season. And my mum was like, well, you're in fourth if that has any bearing. So for God's sake, so I started running and then just like, limped my way to a silver medal and like then couldn't really walk for three weeks and then went to Kona expecting to put together like the best performance ever it's like so naive and just for all the wrong reasons like I just wanted to win and just wanted to be the best and just wanted this and that I was just like I was just doing it for all the wrong reasons and in Kona the island doesn't let you do that like I don't care 
who you think you are, what you think you can do. Like if you are racing for the wrong intentions, you're not going to have a good race at Kona. And that's a fact. And you can see it year in, year out. And same with any race, you know, you've got to be doing it for the right reasons so that when it gets tough, you can you can deal with it. And yeah, so I just had a bad race and start to finish. I lost my timing chip on the swim and lost my water bottle on the bike. And anyone that knows anything about Kona knows if you lose any fluid anywhere, you're fucked. And that's like, that's it. And then, so then I walked the marathon in five hours or let's say walked. I just was like, well, I was being sick. Well, that's the same as like running a marathon as well. Like if you miss your, your uh, nutrition every 25, 30 minutes, you're you're pretty much screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you eat the wrong food, like uh, look at, um, he won't mind me saying this, I hope, but Matt Reese, you know, he ate all the wrong food the day before Florence and had stomach issues on the, on the marathon you know it goes the 48 hours before a race if you're not doing the right stuff you're in trouble so yeah so I had a really bad race vomited my way around the marathon was in the medical tent for two hours on a drip lost 12 11 percent of my body weight which is like very critical um and then yeah I just wasn't I just wasn't there I was so heavy going into the race and I'd gone out to Kona like four weeks early because I was in I'm in this fortunate position where I can work from anywhere in the world most of the time and um to do like social media stuff and photography so if all the photos are taken i can be wherever i need to be so i went out four weeks early and i didn't do anything like i barely left the room for training other than for training and like i didn't see kona much i didn't enjoy i just didn't soak it in and like i just wasted probably one of the best opportunities i'd ever had and like so privileged to be there and i was just like some spoiled little kid like thinking i was going to win kona so like duh obviously i didn't so then I really like I came home and was really hard on myself and um sort of kind of luckily had the right people around me to make me realize that pretty much straight away um which was great and I owe those people a lot because they were like look you just your head's just not in the right place I pull yourself together. So yeah so then that really fueled the fire for the next um sort of six months I took on Joel and we really really worked hard and stayed consistent and um, injuries don't happen there's this myth in um in running that injuries just happen like oh I'm now injured because I ran too hard yesterday like you get injured because something's wrong whether your nutrition's wrong whether your training's wrong whether your equipment's wrong you don't just pick up injuries but it's like something is wrong for you to get injured so that's why when a lot of people take a coach on they just stop stop getting injured so much so yeah I really worked on consistency and I went to Maastricht in the Netherlands and put together an amazing performance um and then Barcelona happened so yeah so then and then I had setback after setback in 2019 and yeah I'm still putting out good performances but compared to my potential like what we can see is my potential from training they just weren't there so each race is just a bit more fuel to the fire and you know, you've got to let it go. Like I can't, I can't hold myself accountable for things I did in 2017, you know, and 2018, 2019, you know, I'm a different person. I'm a different athlete. And we grow I, at the minute it feels like I'm growing week on week, let alone year on year. But, um, and you just gotta, you've got to learn from it and, you know, sit down be very honest. Why did this go wrong? What happened? And, um, did you have a bad day? Did you have a bad prep? Take and take that forward. Um, and so yeah so I, I try not to beat myself up too much anymore and I celebrate results good or bad now pretty hard and I think that's important and I didn't always do as much and um yeah so you've got to learn you got what I'm trying to say is I suppose you've got to learn from the mistakes you made but not hold yourself accountable to them um yeah and yeah that's how you grow and that's how you move forward because if you beat yourself up every day about a bad result 
then you're just on a downward spiral. Whereas if you take the positives, you know, in um, since then I've been biking amazingly. My swimming has come on loads and I've been running I've been running great, you know. You don't run a 16.025k. I wasn't wearing next percents for the record. You don't run a 16.025k if you're running slow. Um, and you don't run a 120 half marathon off the bike if you're running slow. Like, I'm obviously doing the right things. And um, I have to believe that. And, you know, I can see in my training program and my training peaks that everything is on an upward trajectory. So you just got to keep the hope yeah. and learn from the mistakes, work on them in training, iron them out. And I've, I just got to get it right next time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like no one's perfect, like you said. And I'm going to talk about my experience when I finished New York. You know, you feel all the feelings that you have afterwards, and then you do a debrief afterwards. And then afterwards, you sit down with your coach and you work out what was being honest. It'd be like what happened, what went well, what didn't go so well. Did I get my best? And then yeah, you sort of move forward from that. But it's not. It's never easy. I mean, it's, oh, some days when I'm training, like. Um, I would like to say like it's a you know it's a nice sort of motivation but sometimes it's like a burning motivation you're just like damn yeah, like I can't believe it doing yeah but it's some but sometimes it but then it does fuel you but then at the same time it doesn't like you said it's not like all consuming where it's all I think about yeah. do you know what I mean and you've got to learn when to channel that you know you can't go yeah. hell for leather every every session of every week and you know you've got to yeah. pick the sessions and if that's your motivation and look at like like we spoke about before Michael Jordan you've got to know when to turn it on and Find whatever your motivation may be if that is it excuse me turn it on and let's go and um but it doesn't have to be all the time and yeah yeah and our motivation changes is you know yeah, I mean? we've got so many different whys and some things motivate you more some mentors work better in different days you just have to find like what works in your toolbox i guess yeah and uh, i suppose the other side of it is obviously i'm 26 i've got i'd like to think another 10 years in this sport and then i get to grow into other sports and keep going and like when i'm 60 70 80 whatever sat on a couch with whoever's around am i really going to be worried about the half an hour i lost in barcelona or the like three hours i put away in Co- like in kona well, if danny's know? there then maybe yeah <laughs> me and danny can dance anytime he knows that <laughs> good stuff so obviously like you know for you and you know, running eight sub for 8 30 ironman is like a target for you and yeah. obviously now you know being an athlete is a part of your identity and now we can't really fully express that part because obviously we can't can't race we can train um so i mean how do you sort of deal with that aspect of not being able to fully express that part of your identity and like what have you thought or found out about yourself in this uh, this uh, new sort of uh, covid19 period yeah so like i said before you know i've got a great support group around me of, um so i think i was already i like to think that i was already a bit further ahead in like knowing a lot about myself and assessing um what my strengths and weaknesses are you know i've got a photography business um do well i've got multiple i work with multiple photography businesses i've got sports weddings hospitality and architecture um i've got an architecture degree um i was always uh quite fortunate in school i worked hard and sort of could do and go wherever i wanted so like I've really tried not to pigeonhole myself into the triathlon bracket, you know, like I can take nice photos. I can um, design you a building. Probably couldn't anymore, but like I can, um, I, I don't know. There's loads of, di- like they're the only three things. Looks like I'm not good at stuff. But, um, no, there's like, there's so many different parts of my personality. Like I said earlier, if you called all of my close friends and said, what is Jack good at? Or what are the traits you really admire in Jack? 
They're not going to tell you that it's because I can run a 240 marathon. They're not going to tell you it's because they think I can do a nine hour Ironman or I can do this and do that. They're going to tell you that like, I don't know, he's endearing. He's there when you need him. Like he's always supporting us. He always strives to bring the best out of everyone else and not just himself. You know, I like to lead by example. I like to, um, you know, I don't want to be telling my friends go and, you know, okay, maybe architecture is not for you. Have you thought about this career path or you're really good at these things? You know, have you considered stepping outside of your comfort zone? And I think you could be really successful here. Like I can't tell my friends to be the best versions of themselves if I'm not striving to be the best version of myself and whatever that is, I apply myself to. And I think, um, so yeah, fine. We're not racing at the moment. And that part of my personality isn't so active, except when you think of the sport, when I think of the sporting side of myself, it's not not the side of me that gets good results or because I haven't been doing that in the last year, but like it's the side of me that works hard, that is committed, that is dedicated. You know, people say like, whoa, what happens when life gets in the way and you get um you get a red or an orange on training peaks? And I'm like, what is that? Like I, I only get green. Like there is no other alternative. You know, I'm so committed to that consistency and everyone has different values you know you've got the family and a great job and other people have other things going on in their life so like I see why people struggle without racing and I am also feeling the pinch you know I've got a really competitive streak but we need to not pigeonhole ourselves into like that isn't the only thing you're good at and in lockdown um it's been nice for me to just hit the pause button on everything like I work and train myself into the ground all the time I'm a workaholic if I get an email at 10 p.m on a Friday night and we're getting into bed like I'm gonna have to do that work and it's been nice to not have that and just be able to put stuff down and take a bit of time out to just just be and just be current and present and um, connect with old friends that I've not spoken to for a while and um, ask what everyone's up to you know check in on different people you know spend a bit more time with my parents and obviously I live with them but I never I feel like I never see them and then all of a sudden we've got all this time where we can actually just chat and you know I've been very open with my mum about like my future goals and where I see myself in three years and um how that has a bearing on them and you know and things that like I never actually open up with them about like I'll, I'll if they ask I'll say but I just never get a chance to just sit down and just really connect and um yes yeah, so I've really enjoyed that and um yeah, it's just been a different slant, hasn't it? You know, I can't work at the moment. I've got no photography coming in and yeah, it's picking back up, but I took a big hit on the pay side of things. The way that we were running the business was kind of building money in the pot to reinvest by cameras to pay expenses. So we weren't really paying ourselves anything. So if you're not already paying yourself anything, you can't start on a furlough scheme. So I jumped back into the yeah. warehouse at Cycle Store and do usually manage their social media and work head up their marketing team and um so that's been really cool just connecting with different people in the warehouse and you know finding out more about the guys that um that fulfill orders and what like what they do in their spare time and you know people that work for a company I do 28 30 hours a week for I just didn't know a lot about and yeah so I've really enjoyed the community side of things and um, just learning more about other people rather than myself I suppose it's been a good time because in a weird way, it sort of stripped things back, um, taking away what we think is important and leaving us with what's left um, and whatever people decide to do with that time, you know, is down to them. Yeah, and a uh, lot of people... Some people have difficult situations. I appreciate that. You know what I mean? Some Absolutely. people are struggling. You know, it's, it's been those kids that, you know, 
are in you know unsafe situations you know not getting fed and stuff like that so yeah. i'm not trying to make light of it like you just think yourself through it no but, for um, me i've been doing like obviously i don't have contact with the majority of those people but the people i know that have been struggling that um are in my immediate um vicinity i've been doing everything i can to support them you know um yeah. can you help can you like i've been regularly offering my elderly neighbor you know can i go and get food for you like if you don't want to leave the house i can and um like i'm more than happy to take that risk to um to help you out and she's not taken me up on the offer once but at least she knows it's there and um there, there are other friends that obviously i won't don't really want to talk about on the podcast but i've been doing everything i can to sort of support them and um and i'm not trying to say i'm any kind of hero you know but it's just about reaching out to your community and learning more about the people and helping them where they're struggling um, yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um and pre-interview uh in our correspondence you told me in an email that you were an intj personality yeah uh, if i was trying to work at your, your motivation and basically for listeners all that means it's, it stands for introverted intuitive intuitive thinking and judging and is one of the 16 personality types under the myers-briggs test yeah um and ironically i'm actually the same <laughs> yeah. type. it's the rarest type uh, apparently it is the rarest type i find it scary to know that there's 0.8 of the other... percent of the population <laughs> that are the same as me <laughs> oh i know it's crazy but the thing is i that made me laugh is it's quite textbook because obviously try to be planned and control and certain things and what you were doing pre-interview was, was like was like textbook trying to like set out okay like this is the path you can go down yeah uh, to sort of look into um so what do you think sort of the pros and cons of this personality are in, sort of in terms of sort of help you be the best athlete that you can be? Well, I think like there's the, there's a real commitment to be, be the mastery of something. You know, I can't leave stone. If I feel like I've not given my best or applied myself the most I can in a scenario, then I really struggle with that. And whether that's photography, whether that was architecture back in school, um like GCSEs, A levels. Um I, I feel like I can't I can't let it go until I've reached my potential or like mastered it as such. So that's kind of the pro and the con that it's quite difficult to let go, but it gives you that very single minded um drive to to succeed. Yeah. Um I do find it quite difficult to do sort of social scenarios which is great for triathlon you know i'm in bed by nine o'clock most nights and then no, no, like um there's like i think you're always assessing and over assessing every situation um yeah. and i found it great for you know if a race i've already worked out all however many hundreds of scenarios in the race so when it happens it's not i don't panic you know like i remember just before just before all this we had all the storms i don't know if you remember that it seems like 2011 or something where we had all them like apocalyptic storms and the uk was flooding and whatever and we were stuck in edinburgh was it storm brenda or something or kira yeah and then um, we were in edinburgh and it was the weekend england were playing edinburgh in the six nations um so the city was carnage and we had no idea we were just up there for like a cute weekend away bit of space and i did some running in it and it was fun and um and i remember this so strikingly my girlfriend won't like me telling this story on a podcast but um and we were coming down to the train station on the sunday morning and the storms had been rampant up there like it was carnage and uh, obviously there's hundreds of thousands of people in edinburgh trying to leave and it was like well what if the station's shut because like there's all the reports of like trees on the line the lines are shut blah 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 and i was like 
well, if the station's shut, then we'll get a hotel for this price or we'll stay here or we'll call this person. Or the other option is we can get a train to here and then we can get a bus to there. And I'd, like, I'd already worked out every single option under the sun for if the train was cancelled. And yeah. all that could happen, like my girlfriend could was just like in absolute panic. Like she couldn't even comprehend the fact that our train might be cancelled. And like, I think that's really helpful in racing when like, so our personality type evaluate every possible scenario and arrive at the best one for the information we're given. That doesn't mean it is the best scenario because there could be information we've missed or are overlooking, but that's really helpful in racing. You know, when shit hits the fan, what can you do? You know, if I got that, when I got that flat tire in Barcelona, I knew running was the only option, you know, DNF isn't in, I don't, I cannot, unless, unless I absolutely cannot continue, I'll be finishing a race. And um, that's just, that's just how it is for me until I'm, maybe that'll change if and when I go professional. Um, At the moment, I feel like I owe that respect to the rest of my competitors and the people that spend their whole lives trying to um, fulfill that dream of finishing an Ironman or a marathon and the people that will never have that privilege. So um, DNF isn't an option. So I'd been through all the other options and, you just know that's the one, you know, if you drop a bottle, how are you going to deal with that? So it's really helpful um, in those kind of scenarios. Um, I- yeah, I can relate to that because in Boston, I did the same sort of thing, Boston 2018. Yeah. We had the, the the weather and I remember just sitting in my hotel room, just planning like everything that could go wrong. Yeah. And like what I would do to compensate it. And like when it actually happened, it sounds bad. It, it wasn't actually as bad as I thought it would be. Absolutely. It's like, oh, we've talked about this before. So yeah. And you just don't panic. And obviously every personality type's different. A lot of people can't do that. Like it takes a lot to rationalize it and then driven by emotion and that kicks over. But we're so logical that, um, yeah, that's it. And I try not to worry too much about the cons, to be honest. Like I've got a yeah. lot of flaws, so I try not to try not to dwell on them too much, really. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the way you, you, yeah, it's definitely the way you word it. Like I'd probably say things that, to work on. Like So for example, like listening to what you say and actually stuff I've done in my own home life is like sometimes people say like marcus you're too direct in the way you say yeah, things absolutely like, you need to be soft in the way and i've had to learn i'm still learning to like soften the way i speak or deliver it in the in the right way or just not say it at all yeah so and the reality is we'll never have the interpersonal skills that other personality types have and um, yeah. and i'm fine with that you know like i'm if you work with me or do anything with me i'll apply myself and give you the best i can give and I don't care what anyone else is doing and like I might upset them. I might not. And, you know, like we have to find ways of dealing with that, but I'm okay with that. You know, like, you know what you're getting yourself in, like, you know, bringing me on here, I might say something controversial, but um, it will be honest and it will be like a good conversation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'd rather you sort of t- tell me stuff and have a like, yes, no, very short answer yeah. type conversation, which goes nowhere really. Um, yeah. So I think that's, I think, ironically before i even knew that about your personality that's one of the things that i was always like i respected you for because i was like oh i could sort of see that yeah and obviously in the past it's run me into a lot of trouble and through school and um stuff i yeah run it hit a lot of roadblocks from it and um there's definitely lessons i've learned and friends i've unfortunately lost because of that and um, but luckily the people around me now know that sometimes i say something that's a bit controversial i don't mean it maliciously i don't mean it in a bad way and um i mean I, that's why i sort of mentioned it as well from my own experiences not to sort of tell you how to suck eggs but like no, of course 
I've had to learn from my own experience just to rein that bit in Absolutely, as well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's something I'm very conscious yeah. of, but I think, um, yeah, I'm, I do tread the line carefully most of the time, but if I'm passionate <laughs> about right. it, I'm more than happy to speak my mind. And I think I would encourage more people to do that. You know, I'm, I'm happy to, like I said before, I'm happy to upset people to, um, if I feel it's the right thing to do. That doesn't mean I'm running around trying to upset everyone and cause controversy, you know. Um, you've got to pick your battles, but yes, I definitely think people should speak up for what they believe in and sometimes that it my parents taught me early doors you know if you say something and or if you act in a certain way you have to deal with the consequences and that's something I've always been very good at is that um if I overstep the mark or if I do something that um is wrong then I will own up straight away and accept whatever whatever those consequences are some are much more severe than others but unfortunately it's your it is only my fault so i have to have to deal with that that's life yeah for sure um also offline we were talking about the book uh, by alex hutchinson yeah amazing book. um and one of the sort of key reoccurring themes throughout the book is just the question of whether an individual's physical limits are set by their body or their brain i mean what's the sort of the biggest takeaway that you've taken from the book that you've implied <coughs> excuse me um, to your own sort of running yeah i think for me career? it's like it is mental it's not the like yeah fine you know some people have talent and some people are out of shape so they'll never um never be able to do certain things but i've certainly found that like back back when i started all i did was ride a bike like i did the classic like oh i just ride my bike for 20 30 hours a week like come from rowing huge endurance base like yeah let's just crack on and do loads of miles and um i just when I didn't understand, like, so there was a post out today that 10 kilometers in uh, Regent's Park, I was 88 kilograms and I ran 35.17. And the reason I ran 35.17 is because second place ran 35.20. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it held no weight. No, so when people, oh, what did you run your 10k? And I was like, ah, 35.17. Like, what? I was like, why is that bad? Like, is that good? And I've got a friend. Sam Courty, she won't mind me calling her out on the podcast, and she rose for Great Britain. She's in the squad, and uh, she was planning on going to Tokyo. She'd been selected, and um, obviously, unfortunately, that's not happening. Um, but she's a phenomenal athlete, and I remember, like, they always spoke about it back in the day because when Sam first started rowing, you could tell her to do something on the ergo, which is like um, the land-based rowing, mach- the rowing machine, the equivalent yeah. of the treadmill. And she would just do it because it didn't hold any weight to her. She didn't understand the numbers. And I said it to you as well. Like, you know, you've built up this three hour marathon mark and I did the same with a nine hour Ironman. Like I've not broken a nine hour Ironman yet, but I believe I can do an 830. Um, and like, I don't, there's no written rule that says I need to do an 858 before I do 830. And I can ride a 430 bike. No problem. I reckon I could swim an hour. That'll be a stretch. And I could run like on the good on a good day I can run sub three off the bike and I'm very confident of that and like but everyone's like but you're not even been sub nine like how are you going to do an 830 and you know my first ever marathon was a 252 and I was 90 kilograms you know like on paper that shouldn't happen but I didn't know what that meant I didn't know anything about it I just did it and back to the cycling thing like I did like a 12 hour time trial just turned up had no idea about nutrition no idea about aerodynamics no idea about pacing no power meter nothing and did like 270 miles in 12 hours on my bike no stopping 
and literally people get like peeled off the bike and i was just like yeah cool like are we training tomorrow and just like had no no bearing on any of this and i think that's what i took away from alex hutchinson's book is that like we build up these mental barriers and that limits us so much so now elliot has been sub two more people will go sub two because a human's done it. We know it's possible. It's not this elusive barrier that no one's ever going to break. Like, yeah, fine. He's not done it on a normal day, but like he's done it. I don't care what you say. Like he ran that. No one ran it for him. Magic shoes, any of that. Like he's done it. He, I saw it. You saw it. Like that happened. And I think that was my biggest takeaway from the book is like, don't limit yourself to these goals, you know? And I find this in training all the time. People that run so specifically to their pace or their heart rate, and some days like you just don't have it, and but and it stresses you out because you can't hit it. And then there's other days you could have the day, you could have the race of your life, but if your coach has told you to run X time, and you just run X time, you'll never have known what you were capable of. Whereas if you just run as hard as you possibly can you'll know you'll find out what you're capable of pretty quick and i think that was my yeah the takeaway from the book is like don't limit yourself you know like set hard goals set challenging goals goals that might scare you goals that might excite you and just give them a crack and they'll bring that's when you really bring out the best in yourself as a human and when you'll inspire others and when you'll really stretch your limits and that's when it gets so exciting you know like as the reason i said it to you is obviously because you're so intent on running a three-hour marathon and mate, I think you can already run a 254, 253, no problem. Like, and obviously that hasn't happened, but like, you don't need to run a 259 to run a 252. And so you've been doing the training, you've been putting in the graph, you've been doing the difficult bit. You just need the right day, the right course, the right legs. And um, so, yeah, I find that really, really interesting. And anyone that um, hasn't read it or listened to it, I absolutely would recommend it so yeah endure the curious curiously elastic limits of human performance by Alex Hutchinson and I don't know him so (laughs) I don't get any commission from this (laughs) no you're right though it's so strange like how a goal can start out of being quite good you know to motivate you but then then somehow can become a bit of a prison and it's something I've been speaking to my coach about in terms of say uh, when we do our training sessions I'll be like for certain sessions, she'll be like, okay, I want you to run this pace. Or if I do intervals, I'm like, he won't say run this pace. It'll be like, um, run 5K pace. Yeah. And I'll work out what my 5K pace is. And I'm like, why would you not tell me that? Why would you not tell me that? And then I was listening to what you said and we and had a conversation with him. Is same as type thing. It's like, well, if I tell you what the pace is, right, and you hit it, you'll be like, you're going to be stressed about hitting that pace. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 I won't. I'm not, I'm like, no, I'm just like, no. He's like, look, Marcus, I, I know this is going to happen. And I was like, and if I don't tell you what the pace is, you just don't know how good you, and it was, yeah, and there's so much like, to be you said. You don't know how good you'll be. You just don't know how good you can be. And you end up just running, like you're saying, better, faster than you thought you would. Absolutely. And some days that'll go the other way, you know, like, yeah. You won't be on the pace and you won't worry about it. And I find this really interesting if you take a slightly sideways step from this. So, it's something I've been speaking to a lot of my friends about recently, basically because one of them upset me quite a bit. Um, this is a very, um, it didn't actually upset me. Like this is classic, like privileged bloke getting upset about something that doesn't make any sense. But he said to me, your girlfriend isn't going to put up with you gallivanting around the world all the time. Like, when are you just going to get a real job? And I was like, hang on a minute. Like we've, we set these goals and whatever. And like, this is bred into us from a young age of like, what is success? And 
so in my friend's head, success is having a wife, having a baby um, or whatever, and a, a family as such and owning a property, you know, and like having a nice job and security. And I was like that to me at the moment, that just isn't what success looks like. And we, like, we'd set these goals and like strive towards them fine. But, you know, like what, like what is success, you know, and it's different for everyone. You'll find your limits in different places. And for me, like, I'm fortunate I've got some savings you know I could buy a house if I wanted to but you know that isn't on my radar at the moment I've got like I want to do things with the business I want to do things with triathlon and I want to inspire other people you know I want to continue to see the world you know help out friends and all kinds of stuff and like what is this definition of like a real job that you this goal that you set yourself to get a real job what is a real job? Like I earn money and I see the world. Have I not got a real job, you know, because I take photos of people and add value to other people's lives in different ways, you know? And, um, and I, so we had this big blown up argument and then uh, we didn't speak for a couple of days. And then he was like, mate, I'm so sorry. Like, ah, uh, and he just like broke down on me. Like, oh man, I wish that I could have seen it like that, you know, like, and it's just the stress had culminated in, and he'd taken it out on me and it was quite emotional and we both had a long chat about it. And I just find it really interesting that like everyone's goals are so different, but we seem to have bred in these goals of like, it's the same in sport, you know, it's the best, like, okay, you're not fast if you don't run a sub 230. Why is that a goal? Like, why is finishing a marathon? Why can you not be happy with that and get on with your life? Like, that's so impressive, you know, look at Eddie, Eddie did an Ironman less than a year after coming back from cancer you know like anyone in the world would be happy with that like that's phenomenal and why are the goals not so much more diverse than just what we have drummed into us that like like i do a lot of talking in schools and stuff and just locally i'm not a celebrity but like they get me in and just say like have a real think about what success and looks like to you because winning isn't always success and you have it drummed into you from such an early age that winning is good and winning is the best and you know who earns the most money and who drives the nicest car and who's got the biggest house and like you see people around the world who don't have a car or a house or any of that you know they're some of the happiest people you'll ever meet and they're just so fulfilled and content and the same in sport you know like there are athletes that have finished a marathon in six hours and that is a that has added more value to their lives than running a 230 for me ever will. And like, there's so much to be celebrated in that person that society just at the moment can't quite comprehend. And I think that's something that's really good at the moment is that we're challenging these norms of like what we know to be right or wrong and good or bad is, is being challenged and people are starting to open their eyes a bit of like, you know, difference isn't bad. Difference is the same but different you know that everyone's reluctant to change and that's and i understand that and it's not an easy concept to get your head around but um yeah i find it really interesting the more people i interact with on this subject um like different like goals don't have to be win lose get house get money get rich get girls get whatever get speed like it, it can be so much more it needs to be so much more personal and um then it, you, you're going to get fulfillment from something that inspires you not something that you can show to anyone else or that gets you gratification and obviously social media fuels that even more um but yeah yeah for different people but i think going back to what you said your, your friend said to you it kind of 
reminds me of what he's saying in a subconscious way. It's like, you're being selfish for doing that. But it's just like people, you know, look at other people's lives that are not doing something themselves and they're just trying to put, portray that onto you. Yeah, something they've learned. And it's like got nothing to do with it. So like, I've had that conversation with people like training, like, is it selfish? And I'm like, Marcus, it's not being selfish because you're being the best version of yourself. Yeah, and, it, and every time you train, actually, you're getting a little bit stronger. You're getting a little bit more closer to who you are same I guess it's for you as well yeah and like you can't take that away from someone once you're you're doing it I mean it's it's, it's worth more than and I say this to the people things. close to me you know like my girlfriend it she's phenomenal and is so supportive of it and has been since I was beforehand I was in quite a difficult relationship where triathlon was this villain and training was really hard and now like Vicky's amazing and is so understanding of it all it's because she just gets that that's part of me and that drive and, you know, all them thing, all them positive attributes that come with it. Yes, the negative is we lose a lot of time to it, but there's so many positives that come with it. And without that, you'd be a completely different person. And in a lot of senses, like Absolutely. I'd be unbearable. Like I would really be difficult if I wasn't, um, if I didn't have something like sport, like the photography to really grow and invest into um, to try and bring the best out of myself and those around me yeah absolutely and i think communication is so key yeah. and managing expectations because like when you're training people just might assume that you know you're always running you always fit like they don't realize that there's the stuff in between so i think it's communication and give and take for both sides of course, and... yeah and like there are days that you have to get up super early and get it done before lunch or breakfast and be back because yeah. you've got something on and um that's just as important and then there are days that like you know i want to get up slowly have a coffee or whatever a nice breakfast and then nail a long run to the wall and like really put it away and like come away feeling like i've nailed that key session and yeah i think you're right it has to it has to go both ways you have to be aware that sometimes this does take up a lot of time and um, that's something I always work really hard with, you know, like, can we get away for a weekend and can I limit training for that weekend? And if we're racing, you know, can we turn it into a bit of a holiday after the race? Can like, Where can we get to? Can we do all the things yeah. that the people around me want to do? And not just, I remember last year I raced, I did two, seven, two half Ironmans a week apart and one was the championship in Slovakia and one was Stafford. And it could have been so selfish. I could have gone to Slovakia I executed the race I didn't swim very well so I didn't manage to do that but and then just been so insular and be like we're not doing anything we're eating this we're not doing that and then gone to Stafford and done the same but it had gone back to that Kona thing of like it's doing it for all the wrong reasons you know people had come to support me and invested so much into me not just that day but like the whole build-up some of my best friends were there and uh, my parents were there Vic was there and we went to Hungary on the Monday for uh, the day and then on the ch or the Tuesday and then we saw loads of sites, we ate all the food, we did everything they wanted to do and I didn't complain once. And on the, we then flew on Wednesday, had a nice meal Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, knuckle down, start getting my head together for staffs. And I had an amazing race at staffs, you know, I didn't swim great again. If you get the memo, I'm not a good swimmer, but the bike and run, the same in the championship, I pinned them to the wall and, um, I really raced great and I think there's a lot to be said for just taking a step back and enjoying the things around the sport that it allows you to do and you know we're, like I said we're so privileged to have these opportunities like you can't waste them and that's something that a lot of people are now realizing with corona that like you're taking flights like bus tickets and you're not actually seeing the world and being present when you're there and not um not appreciating the people around you not learn like yeah 
there's so many things that people have just overlooked and have now been like, oh my God. And there was that, I don't know if you saw, there's a tweet that go, you know, they go around as a meme on Instagram, whatever these tweets. And it was something like, how are the people that, what's that saying? It's like make memories, not money or something or leave footprints or and it was one of them like how are those people holding up compared to the people with houses and stuff like, actually i'm holding up great because i've seen the world with the people i love and if we can never do that again it won't be you that's laughing you know and like we're so privileged to have had these experiences and so many people yeah. wasted them and that's what i think has been the biggest takeaway from covid for so many people is that like people are dying and you were wasting your time and stuff just like gallivanting about and not soaking it in yeah when the play button's like profoundly pressed like what are you going to do yeah differently so what you did yeah before? And, like i will still travel a bit a lot probably yeah. and i will still do those things and like i'll be even more careful to make sure that you know i'm investing time while i'm there to learn the culture to experience the people you know to add value where i can you know can i help put people out doing some photos you know and like there's so many things that I've been able to see through sport and so many people I've met that, um, that yeah, it's just been amazing. And it's something that I'm really, really motivated to continue to grow that side of my like person. Absolutely. That sounds pretty cool, man. Um, one thing that I wanted to go back to pre COVID, yeah. um, you probably remember this. Um, <laughs> there was an old post and an Instagram um, post that you put out and I was like, you know you're pretty open about sort of the life behind sort of the instagram um, filter and you talked about going with training and i think you had a particular moment when you were swimming um and it all kind of came to, i mean yeah got quite real um you talk about the pressures of training as a full-time athlete and things like that can you sort of share a bit more about this yeah so well, that's probably what are we talking like that must be what two years ago two and a half years yeah, yeah so so I was in that... Got good memory, Jack. For this, well, because I know the exact day you're talking about. So my yeah. ex-girlfriend split up with me um, completely out of the blue on... The, so I did a local like sprint triathlon, won it. We went for a nice meal and it was all grand. And then um, she just pulled the pin that night and was like, yeah, don't want to do this anymore. But for whatever reason, didn't really get much reason. And then never saw her again. And um, that that hit me pretty hard. But obviously being like being like a oh yeah i can deal with anything like blah 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 just cracked on you know and hitting training pretty hard that week and then um was still just just invested just went like just turned the notch up to 100 and was just like let's go and it did like i must have done three or four weeks where i was at 100 mile an hour there was no off switch my parents were like sat me down at one point like you are a cannonball like what is going on and I was like, yeah, didn't really say anything. Was just like doing everything I could to avoid dealing with the situation, basically. Um, and was just a bit manic. And then I remember so vividly we were swimming and we had 2100s, which is a fairly gnarly set. Um, and I did the first couple and I just wasn't, I just never really got in the pool, actually, like mentally. And we swim, we break water at 6am every like Wednesday and Friday. And it was a Friday morning. I'd been swam fine on the Wednesday and I just wasn't there. And then 
I got, I just like, you can do this. Like you can do anything. Like, why are you being so like, why are you being so wet? Blah, blah, blah. Like you're so soft. Like just get on with it. Like, this is what you do. And the classic responses. And I was just like, I got, I must've got to about number nine and just, that was me done. And it just completely crumbled. And I just remember crawling out the pool and just crying on the side of the pool in front of like the whole squad, coaches, everything. And I went into the bathroom and then um, like pulled myself together a bit, jumped back in the pool and my coach like, you were right. And I was like, well, obviously not. Um, so just swam like a 200, 300 meter cool down, got out, drove home. And I remember calling Joel, my coach, and just like, just crumbled, just complete, like just was crying. And it's like eight in the morning. And he's like, what is going on? Yeah. And I was like, mate, I just need some time. Like, I just need, I just need to heal. Like, I just need to come to terms with everything, you know, reevaluate what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And um, I can't remember the blog post, but like, it's just all the pressures that you put on yourself of like, you know, I'd given up at that point in my head, I'd given up everything. You know, I've, I went to the best architecture school in the country, you know, came out with a great degree surrounded by amazing people you know I've got parents that have given me the world and like you're just so driven to like be to just deliver for everyone and I'd given up what I felt like was everything the standard like going back to what I said the dream of success you know I'd given up this great career this great opportunity to ride my bike and I was a postman at the time and then just like trying to do what I could to earn a bit of money to keep doing triathlon. And I wasn't even very good at triathlon. I just thought the people around me seemed to think I had a bit of potential and I'd had some reasonable results and it just like all came crashing down and you just doubt everything, you know, am I doing the right things for the right reasons? Um, And it was the, it was May the, the triathlon was May. The, I just have a good memory. The triathlon was May the 20th. So this must've been like, early june of 20 man i must have been like march this must have been like end of may early june of 2018 yeah 2018 yeah Yeah, and then so then i just pulled myself together and was like look you're doing the right stuff and i had great people around me and it was like okay that's when the photography thing started it was like what are you good at and what do you want to do where do you want to add value to your life and other people's lives i was like I'm good at, I'm very creative, you know, I've got good eye for stuff and take a reasonable photo. I really think photography could be a good avenue to pursue. I understand social media, um, had 35,000 followers at the time. Um, and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to delete my social media and I'm going to start a photography business. I'm going to crack on with triathlon and be the best version of myself. And I'm going to do everything in my power to inspire as many people as possible. Um, and that's what I did. And I dealt with the pain of that, like sort of loss. And um, it didn't take too long when you realize, so when you take a step back and realize like, actually that relationship was so difficult. And there's so many positives, don't get me wrong. And like, uh, we have some great memories, but moving, like, I knew exactly who I wanted to be and what I wanted moving forward. And um, in my life and in myself and in a new future partner and all these sorts of things you start to come to terms with. And so, yeah, so I deleted my Instagram and called like ASICs and people and was like, yeah, I know you kind of like, for them, 
they it seemed on the surface like they were just interested in people for their number of followers and you get that impression when you've got that many followers that like everyone is only following you because you've got a lot of followers and um and yeah it was it was it was actually i speak about it as if i just overnight came to these conclusions but over the the sort of week or so and it was ve- had some very difficult conversations with myself and the people around me and they were amazing and we just sort of built built from the ground up from there because when you strip yourself back so honestly and so brutally and you become like a blank canvas you can be whoever you want to be and pursue the things that are important to you and that's when I decided what success looked like for me and the photography businesses have been great since then and really really fulfilling you know shooting weddings is incredible you're just capturing memories for people and that they have for the rest of their lives and the same in sport and you know, these magic moments that only come around once in a blue moon. And then I decided triathlon was the thing. And, you know, a few months later, I went to Maastricht and nailed it to the wall and was like, do you know what? I could be good at this. You know, I, I am driven and there is a spark there. And um, so pursued that. And then, you know, the con- like started doing some talks in schools and stuff and seeing if kids could um challenging that what they see and you know can you bring the best out of yourselves you know you're not all good at maths you're not all good at physics but you might be good at sport or you might actually just be really good at helping people so if that is all you feel you're good at don't beat yourself up about it you know pursue it do it you know let it thrive let it grow work on it and yeah so it was a really difficult time you know like dealing with it all and restarting your instagram was, was the best thing i ever did you know i now have a thousand followers and i post what i want you know, like I was going to ask you about that because, like, obviously, looking back at it, you know, you had over thirty thousand followers, yeah. and being a full-time athlete, you know, let's be honest, like having followers and engagement and stuff like that—that's what brands want and can potentially yeah, help with, you know, get money. Yeah, for sure. So, is there any part of you now that sort of—I know you talk about, you know, being a good thing, but is there any part of you that regrets doing that and starting again? No, not a single bit. It's been the most like I had a conversation just last week with someone that was has got a few thousand followers and they're like do you, what do you think like do you think i should delete my instagram and i was like no just take so then <laughs> i don't know how to phrase it without saying who they are which i don't want to do they so they've got like a form of sport in their name so it would be like jack schofield running or jack schofield triathlon or the marathon marcus no joking um and that but they find that like some people love it and thrive on it and that is great absolutely celebrate it i'm not saying don't but some people really struggle and find that like they're then pigeonholed by that and that defines their personality so i just said to them like you don't have to delete your instagram just like change the name and rebrand yourself you know if a brand is going in the wrong direction they'll just rebrand and change their values and you know like new new year new me you know like you don't need a new year to reinvent yourself and yeah you can't reinvent yourself overnight and be a different person all of a sudden but if your values change and you continue to work on that and grow then um you'll enjoy it those more and yeah brands I like to think the brands that work with me, which obviously now only one, but even ASICs, they didn't care about followers. They were so supportive and I have to give them a massive shout out for that. Like they didn't take me on because I had a lot of followers. You know, they didn't take me on because um, like part of it was that and part of it was obviously because I'm reasonable at triathlon and part of it was obviously because um, I hold the same values as them and I represented the brand well. But like 
there's so many more things to people's personalities. You know, if you change your name from the marathon Marcus and never ran a marathon again, like I wouldn't unfollow you. I'd just be more inspired by a different part of your journey. You know, maybe you share family stuff. Maybe you share work stuff. Maybe you like walking, drawing, writing, singing, playing piano, you know, like there are so many hobbies that people like hidden talents, you know, like I've got an A star in GCSE dance. Like no one knows that. Like, there we go. Newsflash. Heard first what? on Marathon Marcus's podcast. But like, um, what? Jake Snake hits yeah. Snowfield. <laughs> I can't dance, but I do have a star in GCC dance. And like, there's wow. so many different strings to people's bows that should be celebrated. And it goes back to what we were saying before about do people aren't racing, so are they missing that part of their personality? And like, yeah, yeah. you are, and it, that makes up a big portion of who you are. But I bet every person listening, which is my mum and my sister, like, they've got so many more things going for the, like you've got so many more things to celebrate so using instagram to do that and not being you don't have to delete it in order to do that and you get that fear of like but no one no brand will ever work with me again and like maybe the brands you're working with won't but if that is actually the case and they stop working with you because you have less followers they're not a brand you want to be working with anyway you know if they aren't yeah. working with you because you run fast times find some brands that works for but the majority you don't want to be associated with them and that's something you really people on social media forget is that like that you're the asset the brand is giving you free stuff but that's because you're the asset and that's something that i find really interesting with the photography you know like photos aren't free and people assume that professional photography is free but like i i sell a lot of brands images that i take of their influencers so i'll do a free shoot say with you one of your sponsors will ring me up can we use this image and i'm like yeah you can buy it like you can't just use it and influence yeah. forget about that and dilute that market you know and you can tell who's had professional photography and who hasn't look at like becca um as she's still this bunny runs obviously still follow her but her feed's amazing because it's done by like anna and professional photographers and she has really high quality photos and I really enjoy looking at them and she's got an amazing story. She's a great person. And like, um, like you can tell that she's spent the time and the money to do that. You get some influencers that have very average photos, but great stories. So people invest, but like when brands are asking you to give them stuff like photos, you know, you could sell them them photos, you know, like they buy them off of me all the time and my photos are all right, but, they're not loads better than some of the influence take. They are really. Please tell me they are. But um, like people f miss, like sell themselves short. You can sell images. You can sell your services. You can, you know, I think that's. Yeah, but people don't know their value sometimes. Like, for example, like a brand could approach you and say, we want to do this with you. We give you the product, and you're like, okay, but you're going to pay me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so some people won't, won't, we won't even ask that. No, for sure. Because they're just like happy to get the, the free stuff. So yeah, you're right. I think you've got to know your value. But I guess to that person, you know, you're talking about, I think they've definitely just got, to, you know, step back. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like people, we said before, no one really cares. Yeah. Like if I didn't post for like a week, you know, most people aren't going to care really. They're going to still train. They're still going to do what they do. Some people might might DM you, might say oh, what's happened. Yeah. But on the whole, people aren't going to be like. My life cannot go on because Marcus has not told me what splits is here. Exactly. And I think that's so, really uh, important for social media is that we keep celebrating. Yeah, like the original question was, do you miss having 35,000 followers? Absolutely not. Because I know every single one of them, 1,000 minus the 10 that are probably robots, um, actually care about yeah, or 
999 that are robots but the one person actually cares about what i'm doing and like the story i'm telling and you know me as a person i do care jack thanks mate so does my mum so it's all right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and i think that's that's really important for people to remember is that like you you have to hold the things that are important to you and the things that make you up as a person and tell the world you know like share about that and don't be shy of it and you know like don't be embarrassed by some of those things and yeah i think i generally think more people need to and should do you know if people start if people stop posting about running and start posting like cool videos of them doing some weird quirky hobby that no one's ever heard of and looks quite strange i'll be the first person to follow that like i'm all about that sort of stuff um yeah and that's that's what i want to see i want to see what makes you as a human and not um not what you think not what you think instagram wants to see makes you a human well obviously there are we're slating i'm slating instagram here but you see it across all the social media platforms um yeah i think yes try to easier said than done like i mean just trying to be your authentic self yeah but people can get that confused in terms of what that actually is that's not having a think of people saying you don't know what that is but you know it's not easy like you're saying if you yeah i I appreciate more than anyone that that first step is so scary like when i deleted my instagram and stopped yeah i still post a lot of triathlon stuff because that makes up a lot of me but like posting the first few photos that and things on my story that weren't obviously i started with my story because it vanishes after a day but like posting them first few things is so daunting because you just think like like it's just not what you think you should be doing and not what you've always and like we're so protective of our because we can project on social media and be different people and we're so protective of our actual selves that we really like the selves we are on instagram and we're really scared of like of that vulnerability that people might not actually like us as humans and the reality is that they probably do and um so we shouldn't be so so scared to to post about it yeah, I think you just got to find that what that authentic you is, and sometimes social media can get a bash, and people are like you know you're showing an inauthentic side of you. But I still think you know we are showing an aspect of us because we've got to wear different masks during the day and whatnot. It still is authentic. It's just what you know you're showing at that time. But yeah. this could go on for like a lot longer yeah. conversation, <laughs> and uh, it's been great so far. But I want to wrap it up. I want to jump into the final questions, yeah. mate. Um, if you could give your younger self. I know you're still pretty young anyway. <laughs> uh, one piece of advice. What would, you, what would that be? Um, it'd probably be continue to work hard and just be be authentic. Like, Don't worry about what everyone else is doing, what everyone else thinks you need to do. Um, just pursue the path that is important to you in the moment. Um, yeah, I made a lot of mistakes in my time, but I wouldn't change any of them. I wouldn't then make up who I am, you know, like, it's easy to be like, oh, no regrets, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, some things maybe I, I would have done yeah. slightly differently, but like I've done them now and I can't look back and be like, oh, I wish I changed this and that. Like, they make me, they've all mistakes and stuff make me who I am today. So it would just be like, yeah, stay true to yourself, work hard um, and just don't give up. You know, I've, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. I'm nowhere near where I think I can get to. So I'm still on this journey. I'm still doing it every day you know i'm still very young i've got a lot to learn and um, still naive in a lot of senses so um but yeah just keeping at it and continuing to grow as a person and just keep trying to be the best version of yourself i think being the best version of yourself summarizes um all of it just strive to be the best human you can be great stuff 
And what is one non-negotiable behaviour that you do daily? This question has haunted me. <laughs> I've been thinking for about two weeks, or since you messaged me asking to come on, what I'm going to answer for this. Because <laughs> it's so hard to see your habits. I think there's a few. One is sleep. I will, like, the, it is very rare I get less than eight hours sleep. Uh, that's super important. Um, a good breakfast, whether that's before or after training, it doesn't matter, but a good um, a good feed to set me up for the day. Um, yeah, most of it evolves around sort of sleep in the morning, you know, setting myself up for a good day. Um, yeah. And I've got IBS, so I really struggle in the mornings with like stomach issues and stuff. So once yeah. all that, like I always have to get my stomach under control through various methods before starting the day. So once I go out the door for the first time, I know that like, everything is in order i'm ready to ready to go get it and then training is the other one um i don't miss training you're ready to let the day flow yeah exactly you know and roll that's a really bad joke i'm sorry (laughs) 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 sorry it's not immature but yeah yeah, i enjoyed uh, it you said you're you're making a very serious point there yeah (laughs) and yeah just i don't know what i'm saying and (laughs) yeah just like training just i don't miss training um that doesn't mean i have to that doesn't mean i'm always in the mood for it i don't i'm not superman i don't always nail every session to the wall you know some beat me up as much as i beat them up and um but and that equally applies to rest you know if there's a rest day or a rest week on my program at the end of the season or something you know that i'll take that very seriously you won't drag me out the door if i'm meant to be recovering um so whatever's on the training peaks um I'll do and it's not always necessarily monkey see monkey do I do challenge it sometimes and say actually I think I should do something different on this day or I think this set needs to look a little bit different um, and yeah. Joel is very good that I can challenge it once he'll assess whether the challenge is fair and then either change it or not uh, with reasoning on both sides um, and whatever he says at that point goes so if he thinks I've overlooked something he'll tell me and I'll back down and if um, he thinks I'm right, then he'll change it. And yeah, so whatever is on the training program gets done. And what is the biggest lesson that running has taught you? Um, the sport. I guess sport, actually. Sport. Actually, yeah. You do three sports. So what's the biggest lesson that sport has taught you? That it genuinely has the power to change lives. Like you see some such inspiring activities and. Um, feats and i'm not just talking about um people doing stuff like running a sub two and climbing everest like those are cool in themselves but even like someone running a park run when they never thought they were going to walk again or someone doing it in the wheelchair after um some bad news or like people recovering from cancer and raising like money for charity and that sort of stuff like it has the power to really impact a lot of people and the community aspect of it is phenomenal you know when we're out there doing sport there are genuinely there is no barriers that is one of the only places in ever when once you start there's it's a level playing field you're there to do the sport like getting there and stuff um comes with its own challenges i'm aware of that but like it has the power to bring people together to inspire people to change lives and i think um that's amazing like th- there's nothing else that can do that um like in the way that sport can 
I know you talked about other people, but for you, I mean, what is it changed? How's it how sports changed um, you personally? I think it's just given me the drive. Just installed the like get up and go, don't like attitude and the drive. And I already had that, and I've always always had that. But sports really cultivated that in um, the positive rewards you get in terms of like if you work hard most of the time it goes your way and if it doesn't go your way um it will do in the future if you continue continue to work hard and strive for success so it's kind of like don't give up you know get knocked down nine times get up ten and um don't make excuses for yourself because there's only you to blame and you've got nowhere to hide but um get after it you know and don't give up don't give in and any whatever it is you do um and the the other side of that is like learn from your failures you know and um, don't beat yourself up about them let them let let yourself grow from them and uh, don't be so stubborn that you insist that um it wasn't your fault or you could have done something differently because you didn't fundamentally you didn't do it differently so um don't worry about it but just progress keep working hard and keep going yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And especially from the personality types, when you look at it um, from what we spoke about before, I mean, it's strength, strategy, innovation, determination, willingness to learn. I mean, those are kind of like natural traits that we, I think we naturally do anyway. Yeah. So uh, that kind of makes a lot of sense. And Jack, where can people find you online? Um, so I'm on Instagram um, at Jackie Sco, which is J-A-C-K-Y-S-C-H-O. Um, if you're into sport, 226 photography is worth a follow you can just find that from my instagram page it's in the um little description um and i'm on strava as jack schofield and if you search 226 photography on strava which is the word two two and then the digits 26 um i should pop up and you know you can follow what i get up to on a day-to-day some easy stuff some crazy stuff and um hopefully some more racing in the near future great stuff and i was just thinking you missed out the whole tiktok thing there because obviously you spoke about the dancing thing uh, <laughs> being back school. you're missing a trick there mate you should have this something set up oh, you fucker <laughs> <laughs> you gotta set that yeah, mate. You're missing I a trick. maybe i'll consider that one um. <laughs> oh, <good stuff. laughs> jack it's always been great talking to you mate and uh yeah thanks for being a guest on the runners no, thanks, podcast. Marcus. keep doing what you're doing and thanks for having me